You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are tuned into the Decoding Success Podcast for a very special and spooky Halloween edition of our show. Although I just completely lied to you, nothing is spooky about today's episode. But with that said, I do want to wish you a very happy Halloween. I have been told many times by my mother, and I've been asked many times by individuals, which is why I'm bringing this up. What are you going to be for Halloween this year? And the answer is I am going to be myself because my mother has told me many times that I am scared looking enough. What a wonderful woman she is. <laughs> All jokes aside, she is an amazing woman. But um, yeah, she definitely has told me that many times. So I am not being anything. And on that note, I am not answering the door for any trick-or-treaters, not because I'm not in the holiday spirit, but more so because I am really greedy when it comes to the Reese's peanut butter cups that are sitting in my house. Those are all for me. I am not greedy when it comes to sharing the value which is going to be on this episode today with our amazing guest who released a book earlier this month. It's called Brand New Name. It's a phenomenal book. I'm actually holding it right here. It was sent to me before it was released. And I got to say, if you are in business, if you are in branding, if you are looking to build a personal brand, this book is a great place to start. We are joined today by my friend Jeremy Miller, who is a brand strategist and best-selling author of Sticky Branding. Now, as mentioned, his new book, Brand New Name, came out on October 8th, which is actually my dad's birthday. It's actually the day after my birthday, so it's a really, really great time to release a book. Now, over the past decade, Jeremy and the Sticky Branding team have profiled and interviewed hundreds of companies across dozens of industries to uncover how companies grow sticky brands. Jeremy shares his expertise as a writer, consultant, and keynote speaker. His blend of humor, stories, and actionable ideas will inspire you to innovate and grow your business and brand. Jeremy is bringing all of his knowledge, his insights, his wisdom, his experiences, all of that good stuff right here to you today to decode his success. And you want to know what? Phenomenal value about to come about. I don't want to limit the value, though. In fact, I want to provide you with more value because, as mentioned, I'm not greedy when it comes to that stuff. We actually have a contest that is supposed to end today, October 31st. Our contest to be a guest on our show, Decoding Success, is supposed to end today. But you want to know what? I just mentioned it, so I can't really end this contest today. Well, I could if I wanted to, but that would be kind of effed up. So I'm not going to. I'm going to extend the deadline till November 1st. That would be tomorrow. And if you're listening to this on November 1st, I'm sorry. You have a very small window to get your entry in if you want to participate in this contest to be a guest right here on the Decoding Success podcast. Now, here are the ways that you can enter this contest. Again, let me just state, you can be here in the Decoding Success podcast studio featuring yourself, your business, your services, whatever, your value, whatever you have, you can be here on the on the show that has interviewed the likes of Tony Horton, the founder of P90X, Jeff Hoffman, the founder of Priceline, Julie Solomon, Emily Fletcher, Dan Locke, Ashley Trenier, Oren Claff, Nick Santo, Matthias Metternich, who works directly with Brian Lee and Kobe Bryant, Swishko Swami, literally the list goes on, Rosie Mercado, Sam Bakhtiar, Eric Legrand, Grant Cardone, the list goes on and you have the opportunity to be in the same studio in on the same show as these people for literally something that takes you less than five minutes. Now, this is exactly what you got to do if you want to enter into this contest. First and foremost, if you are an Apple device user, so if you have an iPhone, if you have an iPad, or if you have a MacBook, that is going to be the majority of the people in this world, right? If you have one of those Apple devices to enter this contest, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcast, screenshot the review after it was posted. So you need to wait 12 to 24 hours for Apple to post that. That's exactly why I extended the deadline until November 1st, because if you're listening to this today, Halloween, October 31st, and you want to take this route, you have to wait 
X amount of time for them to, to post it. That That's just how it goes. After it's posted, you need to screenshot that review. You need to email it to me, M-A-T-T at M-A-T-T-L-E-B-R-I-S dot com. It's my name, Matt at Matt com. From there, you are officially entered. Like I said, you need to make sure you leave a review. If you already left a review, go find your review, screenshot it, and you're automatically entered. Super simple. Secondly, if you do not have an iPhone, a MacBook, an iPad, something of that nature, you have the opportunity to enter a different way. And if you're an Apple user, you can enter this way too for multiple entries. Now, there are six other ways that you can enter this. These six ways consist of posting your favorite episode of the Decoding Success podcast on social media, tagging me, screenshotting it, and then emailing that to me as well. Because I do get a lot of tags on social. I don't always see them. I don't want to lose anyone's entry. And then you're like, hey, MFR, you didn't enter me in the contest. Well, that's because you need to follow these rules so that I can make sure you're entered into this contest. And we're going to do the drawing live so everyone sees it. It's a really remarkable and amazing opportunity. Now, with that said, you need to post the screenshot of your favorite episode on either Instagram story, Instagram feed, Facebook feed, Facebook story, Twitter, or LinkedIn. I don't have a preference. I'm giving the, the ball is in your court. Take advantage of this opportunity because it's a phenomenal one. It is an amazing one and it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I wish that this opportunity was presented to me from someone else's show because I would do it in a heartbeat. You get to, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? You get to amplify your message, your business, your product, your service, whomever you are. You don't even need to be a business individual. You could be a nurse. I don't care. I want to talk about your experience being a nurse. Maybe you're in the ER. Maybe you're doing something different. Let's talk about it. I don't care. Like there, there is value in everyone's story. You have the opportunity to share your value with everyone on this show and you have the opportunity to help us here at Decoding Success reach our goal of 200 reviews by the end of the year. So with that said, the ball is in your court. Take advantage of that contest. And again, I'm not greedy with value. So I want to share two more opportunities with you very quickly before we jump into this amazing episode with Jeremy here. Number one, we partnered up with a company called Gen M who has revolutionized my business, my branding agency, 1B Branding here in New York City. They have provided me with amazing, amazing digital marketing interns that range from graphic designers to people that optimize ads on Facebook, Instagram, and so on. The list goes on. Listen, if you are looking to grow your team, if you need more hands on deck, Gen M will effectively and affordably help you do that. I'm talking less than $150 per quarter. And being that we partnered with them, you have the amazing opportunity to get a little discount on that as well. So make sure you check out the show notes. You can find a link to Gen M to check them out. And listen, I'm telling you, I, I use it myself. If I wasn't using it myself, I really wouldn't be sharing it sharing it with you because at the end of the day, uh, I think that's pretty wrong to do. And secondly, I want to share with you an amazing resource that they've really been rocking with us since day one, and that is Audible. Audible has literally been with us since day one of the show, providing all of our listeners with a totally complimentary audiobook of your choice. I'm not going to blab on them. You already know what Audible is. If you don't, then you need to go check them out. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success to claim your totally free complimentary, no strings attached, again, free 99 audio book of your choice. Now, without further ado, I bring to you my guy, Jeremy Miller. Jeremy, first and foremost, man, congrats on the new book. Excited to have you here. Grateful that we have the opportunity to amplify your message. So thank you for joining us today. Matt, it is absolutely a pleasure. And thanks for the warm introduction. A hundred percent. So first question for you, Jeremy, straight off the bat is how do you personally define success? I'll give you a very simple answer. I define success as freedom. Uh, for me, it is the ability to have the freedom to work with the clients I want to work with, the projects I want to work with, uh, and having the opportunities to make choices. I think the challenge for, for a lot of entrepreneurs is when you are feeling that pinch, that pressure, whether it's sales pressure, revenue pressure, uh, payroll, whatever it is, you start to compromise yourself. So when you are, uh, for me, when I am truly feeling successful, I feel free. I love that. Now I have to ask, how did you find yourself creating that freedom in your life? Because I'm sure many people here listening want that freedom, but either they don't necessarily have the courage or maybe they don't have the financial means to create freedom in their life. So I'm curious, how did you do it? 
I think it's fluid, Matt. It's uh, it's not something that it, you just always have. Like you go through cycles, and it's I think it's something you strive for. That thing, the, the other dynamic of success is you don't just get to success. It's a state of being. It's a, and it's it's ongoing, and you can fall out of it. So I would say the reason why this has become so important for me is I've been an entrepreneur now for fifteen years, and I have run that manic lifestyle of uh, feeling when everything's going well being the most scared because something's going to take it all away and so it's coming to that self-awareness and clarity that what it's about for me at least is not the money or the accolades it's that freedom of creativity the freedom of relationship the freedom of just working with good people on good things and and enjoying myself I love that. Now, let me ask you, 15 years as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've had plenty of ups and downs, turbulence, beautiful times. So what do you feel like has been the biggest lesson you've learned over the course of your 15 years as an entrepreneur? Uh, there's so many. I don't know if the, I can sum it up in one. I think the, uh, the thing that I would say is people that are longstanding serial entrepreneurs or just business owners that have gone at it a long time, it's resilience. I heard a quote where, um, uh, uh, oh, the guy's name just slipped my mind. The the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, Elon Musk. Elon, yep. And Elon said, being an entrepreneur is like looking into the void while chewing on glass. And it's a little dark and negative, but there is a degree of truth to that, is that to chase your dreams, to chase, to have purpose and go at it, you are going to have highs and lows. And the only way you're going to make it through that is uh, that resilience and purpose. Uh, it's, it's resilience to stay on purpose for a really long time. And I don't know if everyone is tuned for that, and, that, and that's totally fine. But for me to be keep going after it year after year after year, uh, there's got to be a higher calling than simply the the almighty dollar. I hear that. Listen, you know, uh, purpose is huge and to continuously push through. And I mean, times get hard as an entrepreneur. So I appreciate you sharing that and keeping it real with us. But going back um, to your definition of success, I got to ask you, who was Jeremy in high school? Like, how, how did Jeremy back then define success? And if it did change, what caused that change? Well, in high school, I was, uh, I was the skater kid, uh, like, just goofing off, like, all I wanted to do is skateboard, snowboard, and, uh, and, and, my my approach to academics was shoot for the bronze. I could just get away with it just on <laughs> on on cruise control, and and I, and and it came to university is when I actually had my ass handed to me because I actually had to learn how to study and work for, for the first time. So no, I I kind of like in high school it was just about making people laugh, having fun, and and chilling. Um, and and then as through, but. In high school, you had destinations. You know, you had to graduate. You know, had to pass your classes. You knew, like, there were certain measuring sticks. And in university, it's the same thing. It was once I became an entrepreneur and no longer had a, someone else's path to follow that it became really manic. That And it was in that moment of actually having those really dark, moments uh, of being a business owner where you are, or at least in my case, working 80 hours, not taking vacation, struggling to make payroll. Everyone gets paid before I do. All that kind of stuff that we got to go through as we're building a business and not knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, shouldn't I go back and get a job? Um, and and the answer was, no, I don't want to have a job. I don't want to go work for someone else. But what are my criteria to actually make this uh, a career and a lifestyle and something I want to chase forever? And and it took those type of trigger events to gain personal clarity. And I don't think anyone could have told me that. And it would have made, like I could have, someone could have said it to me. It would have meant anything to me as a, as a high schooler. For sure. I mean, I, I could tell you time and time again, people <laughs> told me a whole bunch of stuff when I was in high school and I did not want to hear things and I, I boxed them out. So I could definitely resonate with you, um, especially when it comes for shooting for the bronze, getting pushed along. As, as mentioned before, we even started recording this, you know, that that's definitely very relatable for me. So help me connect the dots here, Jeremy. How, why, Aside from the fact that branding itself is an essential part of business, how, why did you get yourself into branding? 
it actually happened organically. It was by accident. So give you the, kind of this origin story. So there was some degree of, of business in me back in high school. I remember at one point I told my mom, when I grow up, I want to take over the family business. And, and my parents ran an IT staffing firm. And uh, I think they had a little panic attack at the time and they talked to their friends and, and what the, the advice was, you don't want your kids to be a lucky sperm. So give them some criteria for what it means to enter the business. And what they dictated for my brother and I was um, we had to have a university education. Uh, we had to have relevant work experience, four years of professional experience outside of the family business. And there had to be a job available at the time of application. And so four years to the day, I, uh, I, I said, this is what I want to do. I'm committed to it. I applied. I, my parents said yes. And I joined the company as the director of um, business development. Now, I came in as a sales guy. That was my background. I had been working in the software industry for four years before that. And uh, when I joined the family business, uh, the recruiting industry was going through a transformation. We didn't know it at the time, but what we knew was recruiting is a cyclical business. Every time there's a re recession, things fall and then they build back up. We just follow the, the job market. Well, we thought in 2004, things were going to be building back up. And so we really dr started driving sales, but nothing worked. And after about a year of banging our head against the wall, we realized that it wasn't a sales problem. It was a branding problem. Our customers couldn't distinguish us from anyone else. And so I started studying our market and studying our customers and studying every book I could get my hands on. And we were applying those lessons in real time to the business. And so my passion for branding actually started in that moment of having to rebrand my family's business and just discovering the power of a clear strategy and a clear brand and, and being really innovative, what all that meant to actually affect and drive sales performance. And that led into what's been now a, a 15 year study of how do small and mid-sized companies and how do uh, products and services challenge the giants of their industry to grow remarkable brands. I love that. Now I got to ask you because I'm huge on books and I'm big on your book. What were the books that you were diving into? You mentioned that, you know, you were just reading books that you can get your hands on. Do you remember any of them? Oh, sure. I got a bookshelf behind me full of them and I have them all still. So you've got like the classics like Positioning by Al Reese and Jack Trout, The 22 Immutable Laws of uh, Branding by Al Reese and Laura Reese. Uh, there would be ones like uh, A Brand New World by Scott Bedbury. Uh, what else was back there? And then also the classics like Good to Great and Built to Last. Uh, so all of them were relevant. But the fundamental challenge that I had is we were a small business. We had a marketing budget, but not a vast marketing budget. And what I really struggled with those books was how does what works for Apple or Nike or, or Amazon or, or companies that were, were talked about, say, 15 years ago, uh, how are they relevant for a small family business? And that was the biggest gap that I faced in that was translating what all that big ad, big marketing stuff meant for a small business. And we're also going through that period. Facebook was a year old. Uh, LinkedIn was three years old. Google was six years old. And what did all of those technologies mean? So we did a lot of pioneering just trying to figure out what all of this, this research meant uh, for us. And, and that was the catalyst of, of what a lot of my work is today. So if you could take that experience that you had with your family business and the process that you took it through, what... If possible, let me say that, if possible, could you put that into a three-step process for us in regards to creating a quote-unquote sticky brand? Well, if you get my first book, it's in a 12 and a half step process. <laughs> uh, so Sticky Branding laid out actually my story, which was uh, not only to tell my only fam my family business story, but I, I, I went out and I profiled 150 mid-sized companies, all privately held, ranging in size from a million and a half in revenue up to roughly 250 million, excuse me, 250 million in revenue from uh, the United States to New Zealand. And that was distilled down into 12 and a half principles that I think are, are, are rather timeless. But if you take it back to just what I think the three most essential elements are, I think it's this. 
First, you need simple clarity, which is the ability to describe who you are, what you do, and who you serve simply, succinctly in the language of your customer. Google is driving how we interact with uh, companies today. And so the clarity of your messaging is paramount. Second is uh, is choosing your niche, choosing where you play and how you win. But you, you can't be all things to all people. So you have to actually be deliberate of the kind of customers you're going to serve best. And third is you've got to promote yourself. That what I can tell you from the research is the companies that grow the best brands are the best marketers. So if you don't blow your own horn, nobody will. So you've got to take ownership for promoting and growing your brand because essentially that's if you don't do it, no one's going to do it. And that is critical for the brand building journey. Yeah, that's huge. Now, let me start there with clarity. You said simple clarity. So my question to you is, in a world of fluff, because that is what we're living in, a world of fluff, how do you know what information is right for you to go with, right, when it comes to clearly and concisely conveying your message? Well, Think of uh, it just through the lens of Google, that Google has conditioned us to think in categorical terms. So if we look at the classic way of marketing, which was uh, elevator pitches and unique selling propositions, those came from 1950s style television advertising where we had uh, unit channel or maybe three uh, media that we can bombard consumers with a message. So we will remember a diamond is forever or melts in your mouth, not in your hands because we've been exposed to it hundreds if not thousands of times. In a world of of noise though, Google has recognized that people are thinking in categorical terms. And that's really what I think is simple clarity, which is, can you describe your business in a way that anyone will understand? And so it's about eliminating the colorful and puffy language, the descriptors that that make it interesting and just being really factual. I am, uh, let's take a, a financial service example. I am a wealth manager that specializes on family enterprises going through transition. Okay, got it. If, if that's all, it me, all you need to ha- that's all you essentially need to have is that moment where someone go- doesn't ask you a question, they go, I understand. And then they can have a conversation with you about your services. So your simple clarity doesn't differentiate you. It's simply to create clarity in a world of noise. Okay, cool. So Totally understand that. Now, when it comes to the second part, you mentioned niche, right? How important is actually having a niche? Because there are services, and I mean, we could both relate in regards to branding, right? I mean, I could sit here and build a website for literally anyone. It's not necessarily um, just solely nonprofits that I'm building websites for or creating logos for or brand guides for. So how important do you really feel niche is? Well, niche doesn't have to be on market alone. You might say that I can build a website for anyone, but my minimum fee is $10,000 US. Right. And so that is defining you actually won't work with certain clients. Or you might also say, I am a WordPress web developer. I am a a Drupal or, or, or what you might define your expertise as well. So I think what you can say is you don't have to have specifically a market niche, but you have to have some criteria of what is success. Who are the clients that you serve best? And I think the way we do that is to go back and look at our customers, look at the market, look at our expertise and make decisions that will allow you to have the best clients for you possible. And whatever you define that is, get really clear on it. So when somebody walks in the door and they say to you, hey, Matt, I am uh, uh, I'm McDonald's. I need you to build me a $3 million website. Um, that would sound amazing, but that might blow your brains out because now you're going to have to staff up and all this stuff. And now you're just in a zone where you're not going to be successful. You might be better at uh, doing something much more specific and you should be very clear on that. No, that's huge. You're, you're right. Um, I, I never really looked at it that way. In fact, I just read a book called Predictable Prospecting, which is a phenomenal book. And they actually break that down. I forget if it's the first chapter or the second, but kind of having that ideal target client, right? And I, I forget the term that they use, but you know, you're spot on with that. I oftentimes think of niche as market niche, right? But you, mm-hmm. you know, you just enlightened me there. So I appreciate that. But 
to transition some more here, I got to ask, why the new book? Why brand new name? Why now on your journey? Sure. So this actually came out of the, like so much in my life, uh, I create content often based on past need. And so being in an entrepreneur and, and having, this is my third business and, and naming countless products, I know how painful it is and uh, and and challenging. And, and when you go on Amazon, there's only other, uh, apart from my book, there's only two other books on the topic. And neither of those actually served my needs. So there was that from a personal need perspective. The other, though, was after Sticky Branding, the, the book came out, I did an experiment on uh, online where I published a series of articles that were all really long, so upwards of two to 3,000 words. And I wanted to see how does long-form content perform online. And one of those articles was on brand naming. And since that book, that articles came out in roughly the end of 2015, Sticky Branding has ranked in the top of organic search for brand naming. And it generates uh, dozens of leads every single week. And what we can see is we've got, on average, 5,000 visitors visiting the website every single week on the term brand naming. And then it's even greater if you put in company naming, product naming. So we could see there's this massive latent demand. Everybody has to name something, but there wasn't an answer out there for it. And so uh, necessity being the mother of all invention, I, I took a step back and said, okay, I can see this market demand. I can see my own personal needs and interest. I think I could create a product and a, a process that would really answer that question. I love that. And I love that. And listen, I got to say, I'm not here to butter you up, but the, the book is great. The content is phenomenal. And one of my favorite parts about the book is the fact that you have pictures. I love pictures in books. It, may, it makes it a lot easier to read. So I definitely appreciate it. But I have to ask you, without giving away the whole kit and caboodle here, can mm -hmm. you elaborate on why brand naming is so important or you know, why having that uh, you do it in the book. And like I said, I don't want you to give away the whole kit and caboodle. I want people to go out and get the book. Sure. And if you can kind of elaborate on the process that you mentioned. Sure. So well, let's just talk about why it's so important first uh, is, so I believe your brand name is your most important marketing and brand asset bar none. It's the longest living artifact of any company. It's the one thing you don't change. And it's also the one thing that everybody knows you by. So you know me by Jeremy Miller. I know you by your name, Matt Labris. So, so we've got that in common. And, and, and our experiences with each other, we are filling up uh, that name with meaning. But the same thing goes on with every product, every service. We know a brand by its name. And that's how we talk about it. That's how we share it. That's how we think about it. And once you've got it, you're not going to change. You think of uh, uh, Ford or Coca-Cola. These are, are, are brand names that have been around for well over 100 years. And so getting it right is really, really important. And, uh, and so that was, uh, I think, the first st step of this. The other issue that we have on, on naming, though, is we're actually experiencing a naming drought. So as important as names are, it's getting really hard to name things. If you think about it, all the three character dot coms were taken at the end of the 90s and 97. All the four character dot coms were registered in 2011. It's not going to be long until all the five character dot coms are being taken. And the same issue goes with uh, trademarks. And what's so crazy is we're not competing in our local markets anymore. I'm based in Toronto, Canada. So if I were to name something here, I have to see if somebody else is using it in say uh, Irving in California or London, England. And because of globalization, we're now having to share the same pool of resources. So it's become, it's, it's essentially important, but incredibly difficult because we're running out of names. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I honestly didn't even know about those dot-com stats until you just mentioned that. I, I wrote it down here. That is absolutely insane. And, you know, you're spot on when it comes to the fact that we are now competing, quote-unquote competing. I'll use that word loosely on a, a much larger scale. It's no longer just in your city or your state. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love it. Now, what would you feel is 
a, a process to creating a name. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily do this here at my agency, but I am helping um, some friends do it for themselves. And like you said, it, it's, it's hard. It, it, sure. It's definitely hard, especially when it comes to uh, domains and all of that as well, looking, you know, bigger picture. So what do you feel like is a quick process to bring us through? Well, the book gives you everything you need to name something. So in, in part two, it includes a three-stage naming sprint that helps you build a strategy, generate lots of ideas and tools and techniques for testing and evaluating which name is right for you. And so without hiring an agency, you can do the entire thing yourself, which is by design. And, and where this came from was one of my great frustrations is we are dealing in a world of rapid change. And, and if every time you need to find a creative idea, you have to call somebody else, whether it's a consultant or an agency, then your business is actually being held back. But inside your organization is immense creative potential. All of your employees are creative and all of them have the power to help you uh, solve complex problems like naming. And so what Brand New Name shows you is how to unlock the creative genius of your team to generate tons of names. And what we do that in the book is provide you a five-day naming sprint where we give you exercises and process so that you can come up with those uh, ideas. And that's how we overcome the naming drought is you need lots of choices so that when you go to testing, you find if something's already taken, you're not heartbroken because there's something else in your inventory that you can go towards. And and hopefully at the end of that cycle, you've got something that you're really proud of that you can use and own and breathe life into. Yeah, that's huge. And that's exactly what I was referring to. I actually just pulled it open. I, I have the book right here next to me. So to that point, if people can only walk away with one thing from the book, what would you want that one thing to be? It's actually not about naming, which is interesting. So the book itself is how do you can name anything. But the core message that I want people to believe in is you are creative. Your team is creative. And everyone inside of your organization is creative. And rather than looking outside for ideas, I would like you to look internally to yourself and the people around you. Because I believe that uh, if if we can actually focus on employee co-creation, which is really the model that I'm bringing forward, if you can use employee co-creation, then not only will you get to better outcomes with uh, solving complex problems, you'll create a culture shift. And that's what I've experienced using the brand new name methodology with dozens of clients. Every project creates this uh, enlightening moment. Because, I'll give you an example. So I did a, a naming uh, project with a, uh, a software startup in the Toronto area a few weeks ago. And we had 45 employees generating names over the five-day naming sprint. And we gamified it. So if somebody submitted a name, they got a $5 Starbucks gift card. If your name made the shortlist, you got a vacation day. And if your name was selected, then you got a grand prize, which was uh, taking your friends and families out to a, like a really great restaurant. Interestingly, they actually chose two names, one for the company and one for a product. And unfortunately, I can't reveal the names yet because they're still going through the trademarking process. But what was so cool was watching uh, developers and support people, and people have no connection to marketing on a daily basis, being connected to not only the brand, but the strategy and the business and feeling ownership in it. And it just juiced the energy. And it was so fascinating to see uh, normal, average people having an opportunity to use uh, skills and, and contribute in a way they normally wouldn't. And to me, that's the, the essence of employee co-creation. Your people are so much better than, than we ever give them credit. And if you leverage them, they will do remarkable things for you. I love that. Oftentimes I find myself not necessarily believing that I'm uh, a quote unquote creative individual. And then I realize that the the inner child that we all had where, you know, I, I mean, I can't even tell you, Jeremy, there were plenty of times I was on the basketball court thinking that I was Kobe Bryant or I was playing as Kobe or, or someone like that. That's, that's all, uh, that's definitely inside all of us. That That's definitely still inside all of us. So I appreciate you bringing up that point again. Now, what is a question that you wish more people would ask you about branding and how would you answer it? I think the question that I would ask is, um, how does brand affect 
business and how does brand affect how does how does my brand affect the performance of my business and what i would love uh people to start focusing on is not logos and taglines and colors and websites and marketing campaigns that stuff's just amplification it's lipstick what your brand really is is the collection of experiences that you create for your clients and that includes the products and services you deliver, the way you organize your team, that your strategy. I fundamentally believe that branding is a strategic topic and that your brand is a lagging indicator. It's based on the experiences people have had with you. Jeff Bezos has that quote, your brand is based on what people or your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. But for that to happen, they've already had to have an experience with you. Branding, on the other hand, is the question of what are we going to do next? And if we could tie what are we going to do next to business outcomes and business performance, then I think people would actually start using their brand strategically and effectively to move the sales needle. I love that. That's huge. Now, you know, you, you mentioned internally, how much do you feel that company culture has a role in, in branding? I think it's everything. It's paramount. Uh, I will argue to the, to the ends of the earth that your brand is built from the inside out. It's built from their people. It's built from your leadership team. Uh, the, uh, the brand isn't the, the quality of your marketing campaigns. It's the quality of your talent and your culture and your, your agility to solve problems and step up. You look at wonderful brands like Disney where Anyone could copy having mascots dressed in costumes and, and hired by actors performing, but it's that total experience, that total immersion. And to do that isn't simply process, it's culture. There is a deep ingrained belief at all layers of the business that creates the Disney experience. And so if you truly care around uh, the, your client experience and creating memorable, powerful experiences with your customers so they come back again and again, it actually starts with your people. Do they believe that? Do they, are they committed to that? Do they love working for your organization? Uh, are they uh, all aligned on a common purpose and values? If the answer is no, then that's where you start, not marketing. So let me take that question a little bit deeper. Now, if we have someone listening to the show right now that is a business owner, but they don't necessarily have employees, so it, they're kind of a one-man show, but they may be, you know, white labeling some freelancer services. Maybe they have interns. In fact, I actually have interns from an amazing program up in Toronto by you, Jeremy, called Gen M. And um, how would you... Um, convey that message to them when they're kind of that one man team, right? So how, basically what I'm asking here is how can they make sure that their brand is conveyed properly or how they would like it to be through their external team that may not be internal, if you get what I'm saying. Sure. Well, they, 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 again, that's culture. Uh, so sticky branding uh, until very recently was a one-man herd. Now, we're a three-person company, but I have grown the business over the last several years through working with partners and contractors. And I would say your partners, whether they are an agency partner, a consultant, or an intern, has to have the same codified values and relationship to you. Uh, and the, my measuring stick as an entrepreneur is, is this, is I want to work with people that are running beside me versus me having to pull them along. If I have to pull someone along and manage them, then that's a culture misalignment in my opinion. And so we spend as much time interviewing and qualifying uh, say a PR firm as we would do hiring an employee. And to me that your network of partners are all the extension of how you deliver value to your client. And they should be not treated as simply vendors, but as strategic partners. And if they're not aligned with you, then they're not a fit. So let me ask you this. What was that scaling like for you? I mean, or the growth, however you want to refer to it as, I know they're two different things, but the growth within your company you went from a one man team to a three. What was that process like for you? Well, it's been a strategic, it's very strategic. So when I sold my family's business in 2013, I was burnt out from management and I said, okay, I want to be a thought leader and an author and a speaker and, and share ideas. And that's what I did for the better part of six or seven years. And then I, as I started developing the, the methodology for brand new name, the new book, 
I really have set out my ambition that I would like program and product revenue to surpass my consulting revenue over the next 18 months. And that requires a team. And so we are codifying the what our actual vision and mission for sticky branding is is to provide process and tools so that you can do brilliant branding without hiring an agency and that's what brand new name is it gives you everything you need to name something with the internal talent of your organization sure we f- will facilitate naming sprints to provide uh, professional services for that but the the book gives you that methodology. So we're spending a lot of time on this codification question. And by creating a shift from bespoke consulting to more product is what's driving my need to have more people that can support not only the marketing of it, but the delivery of it. And I guess say it's a ton of fun. I am I I didn't think managing was my thing, but I'm loving it. It's a it's a different mindset to where I was uh, running a recruiting agency. Yeah, that's huge. You are, you know, you're providing opportunity to other individuals, you're helping them and you're, you're providing a whole bunch of advice to us. So I have to ask, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received personally? It actually came after the first year of uh, working in my family business. That first year, Matt, was, was absolutely just horrible. Uh, nothing worked. I was beating my head against the wall. It actually got so bad that we were, I was in the trenches, smiling and dialing. We had instituted pit time for our sales force doing six hours of outbound cold calling a week. And I hate cold calling. It's the my bait of my existence. And I remember sitting down after the Christmas party with both my parents and saying, if this is what it's like to be in a family business, I'm out. This is terrible. I should go back and get a real job. And my dad said to me at that point, um, he said, you know, it's not about the business you're, that we have built. It's about the business we're building. What are we going to build next? And that has been one of the most important um, pieces of advice that I've ever received. I hold on to it every day, which is it's not about the business you've built. It's about the business you're building. What are you going to build next? And we're in this world of rapid change. The What made you successful won't make you successful. And you have permission to change and grow. And that gave me absolute freedom and it set me on my whole branding journey that we're talking about today. See, I think creating freedom oftentimes comes down to that word that you just used, permission, right? And oftentimes we don't necessarily give ourselves the permission to be free. So to that point, what would your advice be to someone that's listening to this right now in regards to giving themselves permission? Well, permission is a choice. Um, and, and so one of the things that I have learned over the years is that everybody will give you advice. Everyone will give you a reason not to do something. And I think they're doing it from a genuine good place, but often you feel like you've got swords in your back and you're trying to recover from that. But you have a belief in your heart of heart of what is good for you. You have ideas of, uh, about your products, about your services, about your brand, or even about yourself. And you don't need to have that validated. So I think it's courage. So permission also comes with courage that you have to say, you know, I believe this, I'm going to try it. It may not work, but at least I tried it. And I think it, it's that like Seth Godin has that, that, that concept of just start. I think that's really what permission is, is just Get out of your own way so that you can be successful. Yes, courage. That is huge. That is huge. So on the flip side of my previous question, I actually, what was a, you know, the best piece of advice you ever received? On the flip side of that, what was a piece of advice that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time? I It goes back to this permission thing. I didn't realize how important writing books and speaking and sharing ideas were for me. I thought I had to be success. I had a, the, going back to working in the family business, I was using another uh, set of metrics in terms of defining success that was based on revenue and management and being a, a CEO and, and looking at what my dad had done and other uh, mentors had done and thinking I had to be like that. But uh, a friend of mine said, 
you should be like Seth Godin. You love Seth Godin. Like this is going back many years, and, and it's true. Like he is a, a huge inspiration for me, and what he does, I just absolutely admire. And I'm like, no, nah, no one wants to hear from me. And I probably waited five years too long to write sticky branding. And and so, if anything, it goes back to if you got an idea, you got to act on it. Don't wait for it to get perfect. So on the topic of that, you know, Seth is very much so known for marketing. Now I have to ask you, if you could only be remembered for one thing, what would you want that one thing to be and why? Well, if I could be remembered for making uh, people laugh and and having fun, then that would probably be the best thing. But from a a professional context, I actually think it's it's in where I am heading next, which is these ideas of creativity and co-creation. I believe that everybody is creative. Everyone's born creative. And as leaders, if we can unlock the creative genius of others, that is where we will make the truest mark on people. And if I can bring that message and make it mainstream, that would be the greatest accomplishment I think I could deliver in the world of business. That's huge. I love it. Now, Jeremy, to respect your time, I got one more question for you. Mm. If Mm -hmm. you could only give one piece of advice about branding for the rest of your life, what would that one thing be? Choose your brand. 100%. 100%. Choose your brand. Branding is a choice that we choose to uh, take pride in our businesses. We take pride in our products. We we do things right. Uh, Steve Jobs talked in uh, the, the biography with Walter Isaacson that his father taught him that you finish the parts of a cabinet or a fence, even though people can't see it, it's the craftsmanship and the work. And that to me is what branding is all about. You choose to create something that's remarkable. You don't need permission from anyone else to do the right thing. And if you make that choice to say, I want to grow a business that has a remarkable reputation that delights customers, then you will grow a brand. It doesn't, the brand is a lagging indicator. It's the choices that you make to make a successful company and a successful product that delights people. That is the true act of branding. And you have that power hundred percent. I love it. Choose your brand. I love that. Now, Jeremy, where can people keep up with you on social? Where can they get the book, brand new name, and even sticky branding, websites, projects, all of that good stuff? Where can people find it? If you search Sticky Branding, you will find me everywhere. The website stickybranding.com. I'm on all the social networks at Sticky Branding. Uh, uh, and the books are uh, available wherever books are sold. So Amazon's the easiest place. It's uh, uh, print and digital. Brand new name came out last week. It's amazing. Uh, I highly recommend getting the print book. It's, uh, as you mentioned at the top, it's a graphically designed book and it's filled with pictures and it's really designed to create an experience. So, uh, it's something you'd want to own. It's, uh, but yeah, anywhere books are sold, uh, brand new name and sticky branding. It's great. It's great. I love it. I'm going to have all of the links to your stuff, Jeremy, in the show notes of this episode so people can get it real easily. Listen, I appreciate you hopping on here, adding all this value. So thank you again, Jeremy. Matt, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. I think you're building a remarkable brand and serving a lot of great people in your community. And there you have it from my guy, Jeremy Miller himself. Now, first and foremost, I want to make sure that you are connecting with Jeremy. He just hopped on here, added a whole ton of value on top of putting a whole ton of value in his new book, which we're going to talk about in just a second. So to exchange the value for something, how about we just make sure that we're connecting with Jeremy on social personal. I got him on Instagram. He's very active on there. And I highly suggest checking him out, checking out his website, checking out what he does, all of his resources, things of that nature. Really, really suggested. And again, I would never suggest something or recommend something, a resource or a tool, whatever the case is, unless I'm using it or unless I find it valuable through my experience. And that's exactly what we're doing here. Jeremy is absolutely phenomenal. That's exactly why I want to suggest that you get his book, Brand New Name. I made sure all of his links, including the link to grab his book, is in the show notes of this episode. I want this to be effortless for you. I want this to be super simple for you, an easy transaction, just so that you're able to Make things happen in your life. I don't want to be a burden by any means. And that's exactly why you could find all the links to everything mentioned throughout this episode in the show notes, going all the way back to our partnerships with Gen M and Audible. And again, the contest that was mentioned, there are no links able that you're able to put in the show notes, but make sure you're you know, taking me up on that as well. So with that said, we talked about connecting with Jeremy. We talked about getting his book. Now I want to dive into three very quick 
points that I took away from this episode. Number one is understanding that you're creative. For many years, I told myself, well, I'm not really a creative. I'm not really a creative. Now look at me. I have a fucking branding agency in New York City. I'm a creative individual, as are you. Just think about it. All the way back to when you were a little kid, I guarantee you, you did something of the nature of quote-unquote playing school, which meant you were the teacher and you had imaginary students. Or maybe if you were on the basketball court, like I mentioned in this episode, and you were pretending to be Vince Carter or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, depending on your age, whatever the case is, you had something of that nature. Maybe you played house and you were a mother or a father and you had imaginary children and imaginary significant other. Like the list goes on. That creative self, that inner child is still within you. So I think it is absolutely huge and a great reminder that Jeremy shared, especially the overall point of his brand new book, brand new name, is to understand that you are creative that is within you. So make sure you remember that. Now, number two, what is next, right? We we put out an episode a couple months ago, I guess, where I talked about you are not able to win today's game with the points you scored yesterday. So Jeremy talked about it. What's next? What are we building next? And I think that needs to be in the forefront of our minds, not in the back of our minds, but in the forefront of our minds. What is coming next? The world is changing so freaking rapidly. You have to stay on top of it, ahead of the curve. You don't want to be getting struck out with the curveball where your knees are buckling. You need to be ahead of it. You need to know what pitch is coming and that pitch is being thrown by you and you are also the one hitting it. So make sure it's something that you know, you're aligned with, that you are very much so aligned with. So understand what's next. What are you building next? And again, this isn't business. This is life. What are you building next? Whether that's within your relationship so shit doesn't get boring. It's not about changing the sex position. It's about what are you doing next? Like, are are you going to take your significant other on a magical adventure? And I'm not talking about doing shrooms or anything like that, but I'm I'm keeping it real. Are you going to, you know, explore Europe? Like, these things are so applicable to everything outside of just business. This is relationships. This is life. This is personal development. This is growth. You got to think of it on that type of spectrum. It's absolutely huge. And lastly, it's a point that was conveyed actually throughout the entire episode. And the point that I want to make is how important brand is. Again, it's not a business thing. Brand is absolutely huge. I was just talking to my college or or the students at my my alma mater. Uh, I want to say earlier this month, I forget when it was, it was in October. And, you know, I I was talking to students that were not business students about brand and about how you can own your personal brand. And branding itself is the art of differentiation. And the example I use is the fact that when you go to an interview or, or when you're going through the hiring process or trying to get a job, I should say, the typical way to apply for a job is by using their online portal. But the thing is, to differentiate yourself through that is rather difficult because you have thousands upon thousands of people trying to apply for that job the same exact way. So how do you differentiate yourself? You show up to the damn hiring manager's office or, or the main office, ask for the hiring manager and hand deliver your resume. Maybe you want to do something even more different and in fact you take an old shoe that doesn't smell, send it to the hiring manager and say, now that I have my foot in the door, how can I get my second foot in the door to speak to you about this job, right? Do things that differentiate yourself. Brand is so important. It doesn't matter if you're a freaking nurse or if you are a business professional. Branding is everything. And I highly, highly suggest that you start taking advantage of yours. I would love to help you build your personal brand, your business brand, however I can. And I'm sure Jeremy would love to do the same. So feel free to reach out to him, whatever you want to do. Now I'm going to reiterate those three points. Number one is to understand that you are creative. Number two is to understand what's next for you. What are you building next? And third thing is to understand the importance of branding and how that how you can use the differentiation factors of being yourself, of being authentic, of being genuine to own that, own the opportunities that can come about from that and so on. Honestly, this was a phenomenal interview. I want to say thank you to to Jeremy. Shout out to him. Again, make sure you check out his new book. Check him out on social. Make sure you take advantage of the contest. Again, I am closing the door November 1st. So if you're listening to this after the 31st, which is today, Halloween, the day we're releasing this, you have a very small window to make sure you uh, get an application and get, you know, get your participation. in. I think it's really huge, an amazing opportunity to be, you know, hosted on this show. So with that said, you can check all of the 
partnerships, the good stuff out in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you connect with me on social. would love to hear from some of you to understand what you took away from this episode. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.